Hey, it's Gary and Shannon. You're about to embark on yet another great adventure with the Gary and Shannon Show. A reminder, we want you to make sure that you look at the iHeart app and hit the follow button on the Gary and Shannon Show podcast so that you can get updates on what's going on with our podcast. Don't forget to share it as well. Get it? It's adventure music. Also, share it on Facebook, Twitter, wherever you have that opportunity, and tell a friend about what you're listening to when you listen to The Gary and Shannon Show. When people hear me describing it over the radio, they are going to remember that AM radio is a viable and modern source for news and entertainment. Don't Gary Hoffman. I've spent the station's last $15,000 on this, so it has to be a big success. This is the big one. Shannon Farron. This is the one that brings us back. Soon, AM radio will reign king once more. Gary and Shannon. Did I hear correctly? Is this a is this a cooling center day? Should we locate our cooling oh centers? Oh my gosh! I saw the forecast said it was going to hit triple digits in the IE, mm-hmm. and I don't know what that feels like yet. I oh, haven't really? been here for the summer yet. Oh, you're in for a treat. Do you have Am air conditioning die? in your apartment? I do, and oh. I didn't know no air conditioning was a thing here. In oh LA. yeah, it's uh, a thing. Uh, they I, call it. If you ever see a sign, this is a tip. If you ever see a sign out in front of a building that says Old World Charm, mm-hmm. don't rent there. <laughs> no. Do not rent there. Great tip. Uh, it was a tip I didn't know about when I first oh. moved to L.A. And uh, I moved into an old apartment in Hollywood. Didn't even think about air conditioning being a problem. Oh. Uh, you know, didn't even cross my mind, really. Where's the air conditioner? Do you have yeah. a fan in this place? Well, uh, I moved, There was nothing. I moved from New York. I didn't have AC in my apartment in Brooklyn. And when I moved here and I had central AC, I'm like, oh, what a blessing. Yeah, that is a huge win. Yes. So well done. You will not have to find a cooling center. Well, 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 guys. This really over-delivered, didn't it? Oh, yeah. Gary and Shannon. Neil's in for Gary today. How you doing, buddy? Hey, stop with the formalities. This I is know. day two. Right. It's yeah. day two. People it's know what they're remarkable. into. It's <laughs> remarkable. <laughs> it's like having him here. It is. <laughs> In a really weird way. Because there's like no a, body. Like a Disney character yeah. way. Very strange. Wouldn't you think I'm a girl? A girl who has everything. Oh, he's moved on from Beauty and the Beast. Uh, yeah. He's very big into Ariel. Actually, he has quite the catalog. Quite the Disney catalog. Don't let him tell you he doesn't. Yeah. <laughs> Don't let him tell you he hates to sing Disney songs. Mm-mm. He memorized that Frozen song with a quickness Mm-mm. after refusing to watch the movie for two and a half years. Well, this summit really did over-deliver. Um, TMZ, by the way, just came out with how much this thing cost. There were federal documents that detail the costs, uh, lodging, other expenses for the trip, the American embassy in Singapore is on the hook for about 162 grand. Uh, about 151 grand of that pertains to costs incurred at the Shangri-La Hotel, where the delegation, including the president, stayed leading up to the face-to-face meeting. We'll get into the details of that in a sec. Uh, a, an additional 12,000 was charged to cover the carpets used for the meeting. What? Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, can somebody break that down for me? I thought he brought they, his own toilet. There's what was what they, they, they dirty the tar. I, I don't know what the what the carpets were used for. I don't know what the directive was. If they both wanted new carpets brought in, I can understand wanting a clean clean carpet. But what are they doing? They're just walking on it, right? They're not sitting on the carpet. They're not dining on the carpet. Maybe they were wrestling. Maybe they were wrestling. Uh, We will also get to their dining, by the way, because this was quite the menu. Uh, It's unclear how much Trump himself was charged specifically to stay at the Shangri-La Hotel. He was there for two days. But the receipts do show that Secretary of State Mike Pompeo's team was singled out for a bit more than 8,000 of the grand total. So this meeting had quite the price tag on it. And this was over nearly five hours at this secluded and opulent Capella Resort. Intimate meetings this included, uh, including a stroll that ended with Trump giving Kim Jong-un a peek inside the armored presidential limousine. Later, the two sat next to each other to sign a joint declaration pledging to work toward peace and to denuclearize the Korean Peninsula. Here's Kim Jong-un. We had a historic meeting and decided to leave the past behind, and we are about to sign a historic document. The world will see a major change. I would like to express my gratitude to President Trump to make this meeting happen. Thank you. Thank you. Now, Trump had a very uh, interesting, in my opinion, moment of clarity in his post-conference, post-press conference. When he says he thinks it's going to happen, they're going to give up their nuclear weapons, and then... I think, honestly, I think he's going to do these things. I may be wrong. I mean, I may stand before you in six months and say, hey, I was wrong. I don't know that I'll ever admit that, but I'll find, a, <laughs> I'll find some kind of an excuse. Okay, one or two, one more. Come on. That was a, a pretty wow. big moment of self-awareness. Uh, yeah, if this doesn't happen, I'll, I'll come up with some excuse, some spin about why it didn't happen or, or what's next. I think he had a, a a playful and obvious tone there, where it was like, "Hey, I get what you people think of me and how you see me. Yeah. I'm gonna, I'm going to most likely pull this off, but if I don't, I will admit it." We will get into the details coming up next about what exactly happened, what was agreed upon. They are vague details, but it seems like Kim Jong-un got two things that he desperately wanted. He got a meeting and a sit-down with the leader of the free world, the United States president, and he got a suspension of the military drills on the Korean Peninsula, the drills that we do routinely with South Korea, it has been a part of our global security policy for a very long time. And something that, that he's described as provocative. That Yes, that, he has. I mean, well. We have, we have done everything to stay away from using that term until now. Right. And now Trump is calling it provocative as well. Uh, what did Trump get? I don't know. He may have just gotten old promises. Uh, Madeleine Albright got these promises 18 years ago. So. We'll see. Maybe it'll be different this time. But we'll get into the uh, details of the agreement. Also, the fun stuff like Dennis Rodman crying on cable television, what the two ate and the plans for tourism in North Korea that Donald Trump has come up with. We'll do that when we come back. Gary and Shannon, Neil Savage in. You're making it so easy.
Gary and Shannon. KFI AM 640, Neil Saavedra in today. Well, President Trump, 71 years old, leader of the world's richest, most powerful country, and Kim Jong-un, 34 years old, about half the height of President Trump, uh, the ruler of the world's most isolated and repressive country. They meet in Singapore. They sit down and they come up with a joint declaration. It is an agreement that's just over a page long, uh, perhaps notable for its lack of details. Kim Jong-un making no specific commitment to relinquish his nuclear arms and ballistic missiles, gave no timeline for which he would do so. It was scanter on the details than previous agreements made with representatives from our country in the past. Maybe it'll be different. The president also said, hey, It's not in the paper, but after we signed that thing, Kim Jong-un made some promises to me. Chairman Kim has told me that North Korea is already destroying a major missile engine testing site. That's not in your signed document. We agreed to that after the agreement was signed. That's a big thing. And that is a big thing if that happens. You know what's weird? It's strange for somebody who is such a negotiator and has dealt with countless negotiations. The, f- the first thing you would ever learn was if it's not on paper, it doesn't exist, right? right. Yeah, that's what you're signing. However, I will say that yesterday I said that he's going to pull something out. And I think one of the biggest mistakes people, uh, political analysts, uh, people that look at uh, geopolitics, all these things keep missing is he's not playing by the standard playbook. And everybody keeps going back to the same playbook every single time, expecting him to do things the same way everyone else did. I'm almost more pleased that this agreement is slightly more vague because I feel like uh, if, if Kim believes that this person, President Trump, is a man of his word and is not messing around, then maybe he is pulling back a little bit and making sure that he's not saying anything that he won't live up to because he fears the consequences of it different than before. And that might be a good sign. He's not saying, I'll give you everything like he has in the past and then take it away because he doesn't want to take something away um, from this man because he's not sure what Trump will do. And what do words from these two individuals really mean? These are two people who have given their word on specific things, then gone back on it. So I'm not really sure what the piece of paper would mean. But both of them, I think, see this weightier than any time in the past. It does seem that way. It does seem that and, – and I, and I hate the fact that, that – uh, I'm not a big fan of naysayers. I hate the fact that you get that, – that Trump can't do any good. If he sits down with Kim, he's sitting down with this uh, murderous a-hole. I get it. If he doesn't then he's not moving us geo uh, uh the america uh, the united states of america into the uh, this geopolitical spectrum that I is think- going to be powerful and going to change this place so there's no there's no win for him i uh, and yet he still pushes through and does it because i think he has a plan and it's not one from the normal playbook i come from the school of thought that communication is always a good thing it's never good to just shut somebody out because of X, Y, and Z. 
you can always get more places by communicating and, and, and figuring it out. So I don't I don't frown upon the line of communication being open, especially when somebody has developed an ICBM that could be capped off with a nuclear weapon that reaches Long Beach. Yeah, time to <laughs> chat, maybe. Yeah. How about let's get some Haagen-Dazs and let's chat about it. And that's what happened. Uh, Trump said he would keep sanctions in place until North Korea demonstrates steps toward Disarmament. The sanctions will come off when we are sure that the nukes are no longer a factor. But the big the big benefit, I think, for Kim Jong Un was the end to the as the president called them war games. We will be stopping the war games, which will save us a tremendous amount of money unless and until we see that the future negotiation is not going along like it should. And he talked about troops, about his desire not to have troops on the Korean Peninsula. I want to get our soldiers out. I want to bring our soldiers back home. We have right now 32,000 soldiers in South Korea. And I'd like to be able to bring them back home, but that's not part of the equation right now. Now, his comments on that front, on stopping the war games and wanting to bring the troops back from the Korean Peninsula, which has been has been our stance for decades, uh, in, in terms of keeping peace on that peninsula, were written up as a surprise. But this morning, Mattis said that wasn't a surprise. We actually talked about it. And when I heard him say that, I, I, I wasn't shocked at all. But every single headline talks about it being a stunner. Yeah, it was a stunner for us. We didn't know that he was going there. But General Mattis did. The South Korean military did seem surprised, however. Um, U.S. forces in South Korea were not giving a heads up. Uh, the, the head of U.S. forces there said it received no updated guidance on the execution or stopping the, cra- the training exercises. They'll continue to coordinate with South Korean partners. So we'll see. We'll see what happens in that regard. I, I don't think that the president is going to suspend the military drills there and not get anything or not see any change. No, don't you but think that that's a gonna... taste, though? That's just giving yeah. them a taste saying, look, we're look, willing to do something. Right. And now now that that's what negotiation is. You have to make somebody see something that they're going to get and, 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 and get a taste of it. And because you are an optimistic person, I will I will throw this out there. There's a lot of people that believe Kim Jong-un is not as brutal as his father and that I, he may actually want to develop the country. But when we come back, uh, you're going to have to put your optimism hat away because there's a lot of people that don't know what Kim Jong-un has been up to in the past seven years since he's taken power. It's a lot of executions, Um, executions for things like bad posture in a meeting. This was a very friendly meeting yesterday. There were a lot of handshakes. There were a lot of smiles. This is not a friendly guy. We'll dive into what Kim Jong-un has been up to for the past seven years so we know what we're dealing with. Also, Dennis Rodman crying, what Kim Jong-un and Trump ate, Haagen-Dazs was on the menu, and the plan for tourism in North uh, North Korea. Beautiful, beautiful beaches. Beautiful, just like Miami. Beautiful beaches. You can Mm. see them when you shoot the guns. Beautiful beaches. Gary and Shannon. Just like Miami. Neil Neil Saavedra is in for Gary today.
Music Festival is on sale. Woo-hoo! Capital One card holders. Head to iHeartRadio.com slash Capital One to get your iHeart Festival pre-sale tickets now before they're gone. Visit iHeartRadio.com slash Capital One for details. iHeartRadio. North Korea. Uh, let's see. Extermination, murder, enslavement, torture, imprisonment, rape, forced abortions. This is a Tuesday in North Korea. Persecution on political, religious, racial, gender grounds. People accused of political crimes there arrested and sentenced to prison camps without trials. They're just taken off the street and they disappear. Families aren't given a heads up. They just disappear into these gulags. Uh, gruesome conditions. People there starved, forced to work, tortured, raped. Some some are executed, sometimes in public. Hundreds of thousands of political prisoners have died in the camps uh, over the past 50 years. Uh, Kim Jong-un assumed power in 2011, taking over from his father. And he is said, according to the U.N., uh, to have consolidated his power through executions. He has ordered the executions in six years of at least 340 people. Yeah, to say that this is extreme brutality is an understatement. In 2016, Kim Yong-jin, who was the deputy premier for education, was killed by firing squad because of his posture in a meeting. Yan Yong Cole, a general over the armed forces, fell asleep in a meeting. He was executed with an anti-aircraft gun. You can't do that. You can't. You can't. uh, People fall asleep here in meetings. Can you imagine that? What? Uh, Two million to three million people believed to have died during an extended famine uh, in the 1990s. And starvation is a is a key form of power control. Yeah. Uh, If you don't fall in, fall in line and support the state with all of your being, we will starve you into doing so. You know what they find to be one of the biggest threats? Christianity. Yes. You if you get if you get caught reading a Bible in North Korea, you're done. You're done. Uh you know who took credit for this meeting, by the way? And I think he should get some credit for this meeting. Dennis Rodman. He has been really our unofficial spokesperson to North Korea for the the times when we've had a president that won't go to the table with Kim Jong-un. Uh, he brought a basketball, a basketball team over there to get on the uh, good side of Kim Jong-un. He, and a strange, in a strange twist of fate, brought a book. Yes. And what was that book? The Art of the Deal. <laughs> yeah, kind of. This story could not get more bizarre. This presidency could not get more bizarre than it already is. It, and then... It gets more bizarre. It's going to get more bizarre when I uh, share with you Dennis Rodman on CNN yesterday. I said to everybody, I said, the door will open. I remember you saying it. I remember you saying it. Let me ask you something. Does Kim understand English, Dennis? No, it's it's amazing. It's, It's amazing. It's amazing. When I said those things, when I said those damn things, when I went back home, I got so many death threats. I got so many death threats when I was sitting there protecting everything. And I believed in North Korea. And when I went home, I couldn't even go home. I couldn't even go home. I had to hide out for 30 days. Does he have drug problems in his past? I couldn't even go home. What do you think? <laughs> but I kept my head up high, brother. 
I knew things were going to change. I knew it. I, I was the only one. I never had no one to hear me. I didn't know one had to see me. You know, he's deliberately moved. Like, he is, he, I don't think, is, is under the influence there. I think he really thinks that he is bringing peace to the Korean Peninsula and the, and the globe, which I think is uh, pretty damn nice. I'm a, I'm a big believer, as it is said in Christian circles, God can strike a straight blow with a crooked stick. I think we all have our abilities and can share them, and you never know who will befriend somebody or can make a difference. And I and I think it would be silly to say that he didn't make a difference. And I I think it's heartfelt for him to say, "Hey, listen, I got death threats. I was yeah. in a situation, and I believed. I saw it from a different perspective." Um, it is bizarre to hear, and it is bizarre to think about the circumstances that would lead up to these three men having any connection whatsoever, but. You can say what you want, and you can go on social media, and you. But at the the end of it all, is change being made? And did these people play a part in it? And so far, it looks like they did. Strange as it may seem. Well, it wasn't just talk of nuclear weapons. Uh, there was talk about North Korea as a tourist destination. We'll get to that in a bit. It's actually my favorite part of the story. But before we do, let's find out what they ate. It looks like Kim Jong-un and President Trump were treated to a six-course meal that included three desserts. Haagen- <laughs> like you didn't see that coming? Including. <laughs> <laughs> like the, I mean, you look at these guys. Well, and he doesn't drink. Trump well, doesn't drink. So you know he gets into this dessert. Yeah. And, and uh, this the strange thing was that, um, was it, uh, gosh, the, white, the last White House physical just had Trump just below obese. Yes. Uh, which I get it. Those those national standards are pretty rough. Are pretty rough. But he's trying to lose weight and then you've got the other guy who's not as little as people think he is. Like he's he's not short short. He's just not tall. You know, isn't he like five seven or something? Uh I would say everyone thinks uh, he's like five four I- and I, I think he's like five seven. You know, it's information out of North Korea, especially about the yeah. height of the leader, <laughs> yeah. uh, isn't readily available. Well put. So it's like he's, it's going to say he's six four. Right. Google yeah. says five seven. Oh, all right, yeah, but but five seven is like a, it's really like a five five, isn't it? You, you know, so you think that he's they're fudging it? Yeah, yeah. They're it's like a, a little, professional athlete. Gotcha. You know, they're just yeah. adding it. it they, so with the afro, he's actually five yeah. seven. Also yeah. says okay. Ryan Seacrest is five seven. That is not true. That is absolutely not true. There is no way. Yeah. Hold on a second. I have him on exactly. my keychain. Let me see. <laughs> uh, uh, I have the menu. Okay. So not only what is he Trump tried to lose weight, but Kim is trying to gain weight. Oh, because he's trying to be like his grandfather. Yep. Right? Yeah. He wants to have the rotunda, uh, rotundness of his grandfather. And he likes a lot of uh, of Western foods. Well, here is the menu. For starters, there are uh, there's the prawns cocktail served with avocado salad. There is green mango caribou with honey lime dressing and fresh octopus. Mm. What is caribou? It's a um, a Malaysian uh, dish. It's a, I mean, a I know rice what caribou dish. the animal. No, is, no, it's a rice rice a dish. rice dish. Yeah. Okay, and then what's that next uh, Korean stuffed cucumber? What does that entail? Hashtag Easy. Ralph's. Easy. <laughs> well, first you get the cucumber, and then you stuff it. It's, main, it's like right there. The main course, uh, beef short rib confit. Oh, yeah. Now, confit is, 
when it is um, basically poached in fat. Mm, I love fat. Yeah. What is that potato uh, little darling next to it? I can't pronounce that word. Oh, my God. Daffinoa? I, I thought that was a type of dinosaur. Daffinoa and steamed broccolini, red wine sauce on the side. Wow, that sounds really good. The next main course, uh, sweet and sour crispy pork and fried rice with homemade chili sauce. That sounds delicious. Yeah, from Panda Express, which is strange. I wouldn't have expected that. Well, everybody loves yeah. Panda. Yeah, but don't, I didn't know they would be a deli- fool. deliver <laughs> Um, and then the next main course, a soy braised codfish. Mm. And then the three desserts, dark chocolate, tarlet ganache, haagen vanilla with cherry Kool-Aid. And what the hell is that? Kool-Aid? No. No. Where are you? Uh, the last <laughs> dessert. Oh, it's a French pastry. Oh, good knowledge. You should do a show about food. No, it'll never you seem work. seem to know a lot. Uh... Yeah. <laughs> The ganache. Have you ever made ganache? No. Ganache is wonderful. It's uh, melted chocolate with cream. I don't make much in, in the world of desserts. No? Because you like my, desserts? You know, well, my dessert is, is Chardonnay, you know, so that's what I have for my sugar. Oh, so you like you like uh, multi-purpose desserts. So it's, it's not only going to give you the sweetness, but it's going to give you a little bit of a buzz. Right. Gotcha. I'm a multitasker. Like a rum cake. Uh, my favorite part of the meeting was when Donald Trump tried to sell Kim Jong-un on how to make North Korea a tourist destination. We'll get to that when we come back. Gary and Shannon, Neil Savage are in today. And- Hey, join us this Friday at the Slide Bar for our News and Brews, 10 to 2. It's going to be great. $5 craft beer pints. Always a good time at the Slide Bar. We will be there this Friday, 10 to 2. Well, Donald Trump said that part of his hard sell to Kim Jong-un about giving up his nuclear weapons was a video that Trump had produced that shows the benefits of shaking off this, uh, well, almost global economic sanctions situation North Korea has found itself in, including the possibility of developing the country's beaches. There was a film that he had done, and it showed part of the Miami Beach skyline, something that Trump said was a version of what could happen and take place in North Korea. It's tape today, and that I think was done really well, but that was done at the highest level of future development. I told him, you may not want this. You may want to do a much smaller version of this. I mean, you're going to do something, but you may want to do a smaller version. You may not want that with the trains and the everything, you know, super, everything the top. And maybe you won't want that. It's going to be up to them. It's going to be up to them. It's going to be up to the people what they want. They may not want that. I can understand that too. The video Trump showed The North Korean delegation included footage of everything he just said, uh, beautiful beaches, trains, uh, speedboats. There is footage of Miami Beach with condos in the background, uh, a yacht marina in the foreground. Okay, now shake this just for a second. You've got a guy walking in with an iPad and what I'm told also a cassette version just in case they didn't have the technology. technology there, which is scary as hell. It's like, here's this Betamax. Right. And in case you can't. But he walks in. And this is this is what I've been trying to say about Trump a little bit, that I think people 
continue to go back to the original playbook and they don't know what to do with him. Uh, you see, uh, what was it? Um, um, legally Blonde, where she becomes an attorney, right? And, Are you, uh, I'm it, almost crying right now. Why? That Is you're that? using a Legally Blonde reference. Uh, that I do this regularly to Gary, and he had, he looks at me like I'm insane. He hasn't seen the movie. He doesn't understand the references about all the great takeaways from that movie. Anyway, continue. Well, a real man doesn't have to pretend that he doesn't enjoy Legally Blonde. Is all I'm saying. So, <laughs> so when when she goes, when Elle goes and becomes an attorney, everybody says she's not going to have the ability. But what she does is she takes what she does know and applies it to the current needs. She knows how to run a sorority. Yes, and she knows to look shoes great and to make people feel good. And she takes that into the the legal profession and she shines. Yeah, and she shines because she observes things differently. And that's Right on point, because this is what Trump did. This is what he does. This this is is his strength. This is a business PowerPoint presentation to a potential investor in a Trump resort. Look at what we could do here. Look at what this could become. I'm going to tell you a secret. People are full of crap. The reality is everyone, when asked, what they you want coffee. What kind of coffee do you like? I like a deep, dark, robust blend. No, you don't. You want it to taste like cocoa. Which is why you go to these places and you fill it with cream and you fill it with sugar and whipped cream with a cherry on top because people will say one thing and do another. So people say, oh, I want someone to shake up the political system. I want, pe- I want someone to come in and do things different. I would love to have a businessman or a businesswoman in the office that looks at things prospectively different. But they're full of crap because the minute you get someone in there who's doing it differently, all hell breaks loose and – People want to just demonize, but you're looking at a guy who's going, okay, I may not uh, know garbage about geopolitical whatever, but I do know about property, and I'm going to go – because basically if you replaced everything that was said here with a timeshare seminar, it would be spot on. (laughs) And all he has to do is make this guy taste a possibility of the future – and what his future can be. And he, he tees it up perfectly. He says, you know, will this leader choose? You've got. That, yeah, there was a voiceover in the yeah. video that said that this is a special moment in time when a man is presented with one chance that may never be repeated. What will he choose to show vision and leadership or not? Will this leader choose to advance his country and be part of a new world, be the hero of his people? Now, now on the right, you had people uh, bad mouthing. Obama for for meeting with uh, people similar and then praise. I don't like all that partisan crap going back and forth. But if you look at the the simplicity of what he's doing, you can go in there with your guns a blazing and you can say, you stop mistreating these people. Or you can go in there and say, hey, you can make more money than your wildest dreams. And it will distract you from having to brutally murder your population and the end result's going to be the same. It does feel different, this meeting. And the vague terms are that at, at best. But like we've said with everything after November of 2016, we'll just have to wait and see what happens. All right, coming up next, USC is in trouble. They are now under investigation for hiding that bad gynecologist. We'll tell you everything you need to know when we come back to Gary and Shannon. Sugar, we're going down, swinging. I'll be your number one.
Shannon, Neil Saavedra in today. Hoffman will be back tomorrow, allegedly. We've got a huge show still coming up. You know what it is? It's Tuesday. You know what that means? It's Tasty Tuesday. So oh, I love that day. Yeah, so we'll have the fork reporter coming in. I like that guy. I can't wait. He's great, isn't he? Yeah, sometimes I get mesmerized by his handsomeness, but I'll try not to. That doesn't happen to me. Japan is uh, apparently drinking less, so brewers are responding. We'll tell you about that. And Swamp Watch will have all the latest coming out of the Singapore summit. I was just kidding about that. That felt no. You've oh, already the you know pain. The hurt is done. The hurt is done. Mean. And uh, I don't mean to be mean. I mean, I'm so happy that you're yeah, here. And it's hurtful, but it's it fine. Hurtful. I'm fine. I, you know what I apologize? Probably go yourself. Man, you know like what I'm it means when a man well says he's fine. Up. What? That he's not fine. Oh, a woman's telling me that? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And you know what it means when a woman says she doesn't care where you eat? That's true. That is that is okay. never. So if you yeah. want to play, I can do this all day. <laughs> USC is back in the news for misconduct. Is it another bad doctor? Is it another doctor doing hot rails with prostitutes in Pasadena? Or maybe a gynecologist making statements about, uh, uh, you know, I can't even relive the statements that he made. No, it's not. It's all about the cover-up this time. The U.S. Department of Education has announced that it's launched an investigation into how USC handled misconduct complaints against that bad gynecologist. This scandal has already cost the USC president, Max Nickius, his job, which it should have because he was the one who covered up Carmen Hot Rails Pugliafito, the head of the Keck School of Medicine, uh, doing drugs on campus before seeing patients. And then we found out about the bad gynecologist who had complaints about him going back to the 90s. This is an inquiry by the department's Office of Civil Rights. And the allegation is that USC engaged in improper withholding of information. Why? Well, it looks like USC was under a previous federal investigation. They were already under the microscope when the complaints continued to roll in about Dr. George Tyndall. It seemed like a movie. You know, you ever watch a movie where bad decision after bad decision after bad decision, and you're going, just stop what you're doing because you're digging the hole deeper. Why? I've never understood. I know we have our, you know, concerns with the Catholic Church. We have concerns now with uh, uh, higher education. And you look at these things and you think, why don't you just slam on the brakes? Because every put a tourniquet on it and say, start the investigation right this minute. It's a very human quality that once you say yes to um, maybe blurring the lines a little bit, doing a bad behavior, you're more likely to say yes the next time and yes the next time and yes the next time. Once you get onto that slippery slope of of, of bad decision making, it it snowballs. It's kind of like good decision making when it comes to diet and exercise. They say if you if you start the day with a good decision in the morning, yeah, like it, a, a run or a walk, or maybe um, it's easier to live that way as a lifestyle instead of bacon and eggs. You're you're more likely to make better decisions throughout your day. I'm sorry you, uh, when you said bacon and eggs, I kind of blacked out. For I know, a me too, me too. Um, but I, I get think that. That's what but happened. there's a they were such in a, they were such in a cover up uh, culture that they just kept covering it up. 
they kept covering up. Oh, Mac, we, we're hearing things about Max. Or, or, I'm sorry, we're hearing things about Carmen Poliafito. Uh, he's doing drugs with with young girls. Okay, well, uh, let's just get rid of that and uh, let's put him in more fundraising trips. And oh, we're hearing bad things about this gynecologist. Okay, well, I don't want to hear about it. Plausible deniability. I mean, I just think it was this culture of cover up that they're now having to unravel. But it's hor- it will never end well. Never. It will it will always show itself, and it's better it's better to to plead for forgiveness and and, and just fall on the sword and say okay, listen, we, some things have gotten through, um, but they stop right now, and we're going to clean house. We're gonna we're gonna turn over everything and clean. I don't understand why. Where's the money saved? Where is? I'm not sure what's being saved. Is what I'm saying. What Face. what are they? But that's it's all it? about reputation. And, but what about uh, the reputation look at, look of being able to see these things and do something about them? I know, but I mean, look at Penn State, look at um, Michigan State, look at uh, the Catholic Church. It's all about saving face to keep the money rolling in. And uh, a lot of people's lives are are the collateral damage. Yeah, but how? And not only that, but now that's the, legit, the legitimate part. Is there is young women uh, that were going for an education that trusted this institution to to give them that education and to protect them and and it did not it failed miserably but now you're going to lose the money anyways and you hurt those people right so i I just don't understand at at what point uh someone doesn't say uh this is too much we have to stop and we've got to figure this out they thought that they were bigger than the law they felt like nobody would ever find out that that day would not come i think uh there was apparently an agreement before all of this happened between the Department of Education and USC because there were other allegations of sexual misconduct. And because of that, the department said, all right, administrators, you are now legally required to turn over all reports and complaints about university staff. And they didn't do that. Tyndall was under the doctor was under investigation by the USC during the same time that USC was told you need to turn over anything like this. And they didn't more covering up. So I don't know if anything real comes out of the U.S. Department of Education investigating. I don't know what they can do to USC uh, if they find out. And it looks like they have that USC was covering all of this up. That's just gross to me. I mean, the the reality of, of what that means to the people, the individuals that were harmed and the trust there, it's just – it's worse. Like, sexual harassment is ugly unto itself. But somebody but, that you're supposed to trust exactly. like a doctor? We all go into that. It's like the, it's the abuse of uh, authority under a badge, you know. Right. Uh, those types of things should be like the most intense punishment you could possibly imagine. For those things, because we have to in order for society to run and to work, there's just some things that you have to trust and allow, be, you know, to be what they are. You have to trust your doctor. You have to trust law enforcement. You have to trust firefighters. You have to do those things. Otherwise, the system doesn't work at all. And th- that breach in trust, I think, is worse than just the sexual harassment, uh, just the uh, an abuse of force, just any of these things. To me. That has to be punished because it's a breakdown of every, everything that we have that makes this system go, you know? Amen, brother. I Come. wonder what L would do. That sounded like an L rant, actually. That hmm. sounded like something that she would say in her graduation speech when she's valedictorian. Well, I'll tell you something. Hmm. I take that as a compliment. Bend and snap. Bend and snap.
Coming up next, Farrah Fawcett's son goes on a reign of terror in Venice. Did you hear about this? I mean, this kid's had troubles for a long time, but this stuff is terrifying. All right, we'll do that when we come back. Gary and Shannon, Neil Saavedra in. Not a yes, sir. Not a follower. Fit the box, fit the mold, have a seat in the foyer. Take a number. I was lightning before the thunder. Saavedra hanging out today. Thank you very much. No, my pleasure. Good fun. We've talked about Redmond O'Neill before. I want to believe the last time we talked about him, it was John and Ken and I talking about him. He's had troubles over the year. Redmond O'Neill is the son of Farrah Fawcett and Ryan O'Neill. He's 33 now, and he went on a crime spree in Venice. And, and they all and everything has the same notes to it. You know, he he had the belief that someone was staring at him and then he lashes out. He faces six felony accounts in this violent crime spree that was carried out over seven days earlier this month. I don't know. I I, I guess that this um this story hit a chord with me because I was in Venice earlier this month going, visiting some friends. Cause when you drive to West LA or Venice Marina del Rey area, you want to hit all the spots you need to hit. You know, yeah. you want to go to see every friend, you know, that lives there. You want to eat at the places that you, you not love. a super convenient it's, part of it's the a town freaking nightmare to get from there or to there from really anywhere. And and so I was I spent a weekend there and we're walking around you're you know you're thinking that this is such an, a nice neighborhood type town my my one of my girlfriends there had her 2-year-old twins and we're playing in the backyard and we're playing in the front yard and I'm just thinking oh my gosh Redmond O'Neill's walking around stabbing people for looking at him and you you just have this I just you have this false sense of security sometimes um and you should have a sense of security, but but you can't crazy fight crazy. People. Yeah, you can't yeah. Fight crazy. crazy is really strange. I, I I live in a nice neighborhood, but there's homeless people all over the place, and and there's a point where where there's a breakdown, and you can't you can't defend against this. You can't defend against somebody randomly coming up to you because they think you were looking at them and wanting to stab you with a broken bottle. There's really not in you know. There's really not a way to. Be mentally aware of that unless everyone is a possible it, it makes, problem. It makes me want to go back to Krav Maga, really. So, I, you know, I can, I can choice, take a, a, a tree branch and and kill him with it or something, you know? Take well, if you're, if you're you. taking Krav, you could just stare at them and they, That's would, true. they would start choking. That's true. <laughs> uh, the attacks began May 2nd when he allegedly punched a man who appeared to just look at him. Before arming himself with a broken glass bottle and striking the guy or trying to strike the guy. The next day, he beat another man as the guy was coming out of a convenience store. This is a couple blocks away. Now, that's another rule of mine about convenience stores. you got to be careful about convenience stores in bad neighborhoods. May 4th, fast forward, 
he stabs a man uh, in the side near the Venice uh, Beach boardwalk because, guess, wait for it, because he thought the guy was... Looking at him. Yes. So Uh, what do you do in a situation like that? Do you go, uh, no, I wasn't looking at you, but now I am? I don't know. I always thought that a way to deal with a crazy person is to act like you're crazier. And maybe that'll do something. Oh, my God. The, The look you just gave me. Mm-hmm. I think I peed a little. <laughs> that was really kind of scary. You've got good crazy face. Thank you. Uh, you're welcome. You know what I would do? It wouldn't be wrong if if B came at me and I went. I had a I had a poster of your mom. Yeah, no, that won't. No? I don't think that's a good plan. I had a poster of your mom in the '70s. I think maybe start twitching or seizing yeah. like this. I was a I was a huge fan of the Six yeah. Million Dollar Man. Well, that was the other guy. Love story. I cried at love story. I still cry at love story. Your yeah. dad used to be so hot. What happened? Well, his dad has had some issues with drugs and the like as well. Yeah. Um, okay, so wait. After the Venice Beach boardwalk attack for the guy looking at him, mm-hmm. um, hours after that, he stabbed a guy several times. This man was walking to his car parked on 4th near the intersection with Rose Avenue. The victim was found 15 minutes later lying in a pool of blood on the sidewalk, wounds to his face, neck, upper body. Imagine oh. that. You're walking to your car and someone just jumps out. Hey, he isn't also, that Ryan O'Neill's kid? Oh. He also allegedly lunged at a barista with a knife uh, after becoming belligerent inside a Venice coffee, uh, coffee shop. That one could have been provoked. They finally picked him up on May 8th. Uh, but, wow, what a and this was And this, the last one, May 8th, was armed robbery at a 7-Eleven in Venice. So, and this is someone who's, who was nailed in uh, 09 for possession of controlled substance uh, in jail and possession of a firearm by a felon in 2015. So he's had, and I think he and his father were both arrested on suspicion of felony drug possession in 2008. So, Yeah, that's when they, they went to the, the home in Malibu and they just found a treasure trove of drugs. I think that's when uh, John and Ken talked about that. So he's... He's chemically nuts. I mean, he's taken so much that his brain is fried. He could face up to 22 years in state prison, prosecutors said. That doesn't sound like enough, but that he, he should be he should be locked up. That's that's a problem. Yeah, you can't have that guy on the street. No. Coming up next, Uber has filed a patent application that may be able to let Uber know if you're drunk. And then Uber will act accordingly. We'll tell you what that means. Oh, I can back. I can save them money. I'll tell you exactly how to know if an Uber Uber person getting Uber is drunk. Are they ordering an Uber? Then yes. It's <laughs> a good point. Gary and Shannon, Neil Savedra in for Hoffman. <laughs> in for the Hoff, and uh, we've got a, a ghost town that is for sale in California. We'll get to that story coming up next. It's fun to think about what you would do with a town of your own. I actually have a ghost town story oh, that good. maybe I will share. Good. Um, 
about this town, I tried to get Handel to buy it this morning. I told him if he buys it, then I will develop it. And Why I, even ask him? Let's just go to his house and look for loose change in, in his couch. And yeah, get it's it. only like a million dollars. Oh, my gosh. So we could just... It's probably in that little coin thing in the center oh, of yeah, his yeah, car. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Or the, or the coin dish that's in his uh, bathroom slash library. Oh, yeah. I don't know why he needs coins in there, but there's coin dishes pretty much in every room of his house. Hmm. Uber has filed a patent application. This was spotted surreptitiously by CNN. The patent application envisions using machine learning to detect whether a potential passenger is behaving abnormally. The application is vague about what exactly constitutes an abnormal state, but if you read between the lines, they're looking to detect drunk passengers. Yeah, because look what they're, they're the system is going to track certain things like behavioral based things like typing speed, accuracy of the typing, the angle of the device cuz you know, it can tell what angle of the device whether it's been uh dropped multiple times while they've been ty- typing. Um, the speed of the person walking while they're typing, and then it will process those and tell you, well, this person seems to be intoxicated. Yeah, they came up with an algorithm that takes all those factors into consideration and will let you know if the passenger is, well, drunk. Here's the problem, though. What if, so what are they going to do? They, they they say that this is this will send out a particular driver or they'll modify how they go about picking you up or whatever it is, right? But whatever you do is now going to apply to somebody who uh, has disabilities as well. Because what if somebody had disabilities, had MS or something, and it triggers this? You could end up having a problem if you're treating that person differently than you would be treating other passengers. You get my meaning? Well, I'm, it's I like, to think what I need to know more information about how Uber would react. It says it would, uh, you know, it would match that user with a specific driver. What does that mean? If it's a female driver and she's drunk, are we going to send then just a female driver? Because the the chances that sexual harassment is reported uh, with with a with a male versus a female are slim. I'm not sure what that means. And if that would be grounds for a lawsuit that Uber's treating different groups of people differently, if they're providing the same service, I don't know how that would work. If it's protection for, especially for women, I think it's smart. You've got because that's the issues that they've had. An interesting note is that, you know, it says first spotted by CNN, but a lot of these news agencies, they have departments that all they do is scour uh, the patent agencies yeah, to see what new things, because that's how you learn about um, Apple and direction that Apple's taking and things like that. So all they do is scour looking for something. And they were probably just doing their routine thing and saw this and went, ooh, Uber hit, Uber hit. Yeah. Uh, that CNN investigative team found that in the past four years, 103 Uber drivers have been accused of sexual assault or abuse. I mean, how many of those cases happened when the passenger is inebriated? I don't know. Hey, you know what? Maybe they should patent something that when people sign up to become Uber drivers, it will tell if they're pervs or not. Why go to the person whether they're drunk or not? Yeah, but Why? how do you determine who's a perv? 
angle of the phone, walking speed, typing speed, mm-hmm. what finger they type with. Mm-hmm. If they're typing at a, you know, Ralph's parking lot, it just whatever. The one in Santa Clarita? Yeah, for instance. Yeah, well, that, yeah. That, and then they would yeah. figure out, you well, know. Who the kind of person you're dealing with. Yeah. Just some notes. There was a study about millennials and their drinking habits, and it looks like millennials, more than other generations, are staying home to drink. They don't want to go out. You know, when you and I were uh, of the youth. Our, uh, you and I are at least 10 years apart. At um, least. Okay. Probably more. But anyway, it was a bar scene, right? When I was in my yes. early 20s, that's what you did. You went to the bars. You met people. This was before cell phones. You talked to people. You talked to strangers. You'd walk up and you'd have a conversation with a stranger. You would talk to strangers. Most of us were a little more protective of ourselves, but... You were not protective of yourself. I didn't go up and talk to strangers. Is that right? But anyway, that's what you did. That's how you socialized. But now how you socialize is on that device in your hand, right? So it would make sense that they're not going out to bars and spending the money on overpriced cocktails. But how do you meet somebody on social media? Oh, I saw your feed. You meet them on the apps. You you, You go home. You have a couple pops, and you scroll, and you swipe, and then maybe you meet up for some uh, cheap sex later on. Isn't that what happens, Monica? Yep. Yeah. Much. Wow. <laughs> wow. Well, no, I just know that she's she's. I'm in glad the, she was listening. She's in the single life right now, and uh, I know that she uses the apps. So yeah. I was just, yeah. Hmm. All of the apps. All of the apps. <laughs> Have, do you use an app called uh, Bagels and Coffee or no, something? No, I didn't like that one. Mm-mm. Yeah. Well, you're bilingual. Do you ha- do you go on any uh, Spanish only apps? <laughs> no, I don't. I don't even know if those. I mean, there has to be a dating app. You don't go on uh, El Tinder or anything. Uh, no, I can't say that I've seen El Tinder. Latino um, love. Oh, that's a good one. Um, no, haven't signed up for that one. But you there's plenty of Hispanics on the regular dating apps. You don't like swipe. Derecha or something or whatever. <laughs> what would it be? Mi Derecha. Derecha. Mi yeah. amor ahorita. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> wow. Wow. I don't know. That was that was that was good, nothing, Shannon. Nothing like hearing. <laughs> nothing like hearing people totally butcher a romance language. How did that work out for you at the bar? <laughs> it's like wow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can make you a beautiful any... language and <laughs> yeah. terrible sounding. Did you study any languages, Shannon Farron? I studied Spanish. Well, study is a big word. Uh, I, I took Spanish. Your study is a big word. I tried to learn French on Rosetta Stone and came away with a Velo Vert green bicycle. That's the only thing that stuck. Hmm. What? How do you say it? <clears throat> Velo Vert. Do you, do you get to use that mm-hmm. much? I used it a lot when I went to France, and every time I saw a green bicycle, there were many bicycles there, and I would uh, point it out in the native tongue. All right, uh, coming up next, we've got a ghost town, and I think we should buy it. Are you talking about listeners right now, or are you, this is an actual ghost town? Wow. Can we get, is Hoffman back in town yet? Is he in driving distance? Please. Not so fast, Butterlips. <laughs> Thank you for remembering or for making me remember what that entails. <laughs> Is that me or you? We got a ghost town. It's up for grabs. We might turn it into Handleville. We'll talk about it when we come back. Gary and Shannon, Neil Savedra hanging out. So can we break this set in motion something new?
Gary and Shannon. KFI AM 640, more stimulating talk. Neil Saavedra in with me today. Gary will be back. Manana. En Espanol, por favor. Cerro, wow. Cerro Gordo. What does that mean? Como se dice Cerro Gordo in English? It means Cerro Fat. Oh. Well, that's the name of this ghost town. It was established by silver miners in the 19th century. It's up for sale. And it can be yours for less than what a home typically costs in San Francisco. Oh, yeah. $925,000? That's... We could buy a whole town if we all get together and pool some money. When, when did you... Uh, you can ballpark it. Don't get me specifics. But you, when did you buy a house? Uh, five, six years ago. Okay. So similar to us. Uh, and the prices of houses in California, doesn't it... it Put you on your heels, right? It's insane. Yeah. And it's gotten even more insane. And now you in look and you're going, I could have gotten a whole town. Right? Well, Man, not quite. we did it I got, wrong. I could have gotten about half a town. Well, if we all go in on it. Yeah. And then we get a town, then we, we'll have a town. Right. And then we can make our own rules. Yeah. We can make our own establishments. Uh, can I be the sheriff? Mm. Why? It depends how much you put in. Like, if you... Put in nine hundred thousand, you could be the sheriff. I think you can pay. To you do know that in like a lot of westerns, the sheriff ends up dead, right? Yeah, because they're bad sheriffs. But that, why do you think there's a new sheriff in town? And you're gonna uh, run the brothel, right? No, Hot well, thought you had it down yesterday. I could be a greeter. Isn't that what we decided? Like at Walmart? Yeah. Aren't those people normally old? Wait, are we having a brothel in our town? What am I eight? If there's, there's no a quote crime. unquote bunkhouse there, so I don't know what a what bunkhouse. I don't know. I think that sounds like a hotel. It's a hotel. Well, there's also a hotel though, so Bunk. okay. Sounds yeah. like you're bunking up with but the that, honeys. That has a sink. Okay, and, let's get into what this entails. Cerro Gordo is 300 acres of land, and in the in those acres, you do get the historic hotel, you get a saloon, you get mineral rights, and plenty of peace and quiet. If you want to go to find out more, you can go to ghosttownforsale.com. I love – you want the actual translation? Yes. It's Fat Hill. Okay. So – You didn't know that? Uh, well, I knew what fat was. That's why but I said – you didn't know what Sarah was. No. I thought you said Sarah. Oh, okay. And so I thought you – and so when you said it, I didn't look at it. And then when I looked at it, it's uh, Sarah. Well, that's yeah. kind of cool. Yeah. It's in the Owens Valley near Lone Pine. Is that up the 395? Lone Pine? Yeah. Yes. I know there's yeah, Lone it's, Pines yeah, it's, up there. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Lone the, Pine is beautiful, by the way. Yes, it is. Lone Pine is great. The defunct mine at one time in Cerro Gordo was the state's largest producer of silver and lead, with a toll road built from the town to L.A. to supply the new industry. They've got a history, Cerro Gordo, straight out of the Wild West in the 1860s and 1870s. They averaged a murder a week in this town. I can handle that as sheriff. Yeah, that's not bad. I mean, I'm, I'm trying stats. to beat down that that mouthy uh, madam with the brothel. But other than that, crime is, you know, it's down under my watch. I don't think we can legally have a brothel, though. Uh, that's what I keep telling the mouthy blonde. But she keeps telling me something about mens rea, and then she bends and snaps. The property's late owner once told the L.A. Times that the only sound for miles was the whistle of the wind blowing through all the bullet holes in every building up there. Oh, that's damn cool. 
Not not on my watch. Let's see. Oh man, this is nice. It is nice, isn't it? I would totally buy this for a million bucks. Well, and you know what? You know what we do? Because hmm. Hoffman's not here, he can't hear this. Yeah, we'll buy it. We'll tell him that we're going to fill it with. It's going to be an amusement park. We're going to fill it with robots, and then uh, that look like Western people, and that people will come and be able to do debauchery or whatever, right? And then when we're walking through it, I'll say, hey, Shannon, why don't you go grab that thing behind the door? And he'll look at you and he'll go, what door? Because there won't be a door there. There won't be a door. And then he's going to think he'll that think he's, he's a robot, exactly. that he's Bernard. We're going for the long game, you and me. I like I think, this. I think we can pull it off. You know what we can design our town to do is just screw with people depending on whoever we bring up there. You know, like for Hoffman, it would be Westworld, what door? But if we brought up Monica, it would just be like, you know... Uh, Watch yourself. Dating apps, but in person. Oh, uh, ooh, like a be... bunch of like suitors. And you'd actually have, and you'd to, have swipe to swipe them. You'd have to swipe them. You'd yeah. have to swipe them. Yeah. I have no problem doing that. Physically move them to the left. Yeah, you know, I have uh, no problem doing Penn that. And that Teller, that'd be fun. When somebody would get up to go to the bathroom, they'd stop their show and say, "Okay, listen. When that person comes back, we're going to do a bit. They're not. They don't know it's a bit. Just say yes to everything we say." And it's going to be the most magical thing they've ever experienced. It'll be stupid to you, but they will tell everybody they know. And they'd be like, pretending like they're in the middle of like a mentalism act or something. And they'd be like, uh, your son's name is uh, Little Jimmy. And blah, blah. and they're like, yes. And then sit down. And the next person they'd be going through. So the person that came back from the bathroom was like, it was the most spectacular thing I'd ever oh, seen. Oh, that's funny. Yeah. So it, sometimes a joke just for one is okay. Um, I was telling you that I had a, a story about... Uh, a ghost town. Oh, right. Very quickly, uh, growing up, uh, we were we were what you call um, not financially endowed. So I have five brothers, one sister, seven kids. Um, uh, Irish, Scottish, English, Catholic mom, and uh, born in the states, Mexican father. And we didn't have money for squat, but we had a fairly sizable backyard. And my dad, with some of my brothers, went and collected a bunch of wood and built a almost full-scale ghost town in the backyard. We had a trading post. We had um, a jail, a saloon, a bank, some town uh, houses, and um, we were in the newspaper for it and everything because that is so cool. we had – and we called it Saavedra Studios because we'd shoot little movies and stuff back there on the Super 8 or whatever we had at the time. And it was like a big deal. So when I, as a kid, had the wood walkways and everything, as a kid, I'd go, hey, you want to come over and, and play, you know? And kids would come over and they'd wet themselves because we had, it was, yeah. it took up the whole backyard. And it was like almost completely full scale. So ghost towns like have a huge meaning to me. Is your whole family creative like that? Like you? Yeah. Like for the mo- yeah. They, they all have, I have a brother who is uh, a Broadway producer and works in film I have a brother who's a comic book artist. I have some of us have gone into those, and then I've got you know electricians and sales folks and things like that as well. That's that's a well-rounded family. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm probably the most round. All right, all right. Everything everyone is talking about when we come back, except for fat jokes. Sarah Gordo, right here. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> didn't you hear Sarah too? <laughs> I heard Sarah. <laughs> Said fat Sarah. Hey, hey. So gonna get to grab it. Go pop-
Gary and Shannon. Neil Savedra in for Hoffman. He'll be back. Manana. We have a huge event coming up on Friday. It is our first news and brews of the summer. We will be at Slide Bar in Fullerton. Join us. It's going to be a great time. You've probably been out to one of our news and brews at the Slide Bar before, and it is always a good time. Great venue. $5 craft beers. They have excellent food. I'm getting excited about it already, and it's only Tuesday. By the way, it's not a bad time to start maybe some sniffles at work. You know, maybe you don't have enough vacation days to take it it off. Uh, There you go. Was that you? (laughs) That was wet. I'm a loud sneezer. Oh, yeah, because you're so diminutive with everything else. Was that a Fat Hill joke? No. Okay. (laughs) Um, (laughs) No, but you're not exactly a wallflower is what I'm saying. uh Stop digging. What else is happening? Time for What's Happening. Well, of course, North Korea continues to headline all the news of the day in terms of trends. And the president has faced more pointed questions upon his uh, as he's returning because people want to know why he got so little and gave away so much, like giving uh, Kim Jong-un just a seat at the table uh, with with the greatest world power, uh, giving Kim Jong-un the idea that we will stop our military drills along the Korean peninsula there. And why we got so little in return. We haven't given up anything other than you're right. I agreed to meet. And I think the meeting was every bit as good for the United States as it was for North Korea. They hammered out a deal. They met for about five hours. Uh, There was a stroll involved as well. It was nice to get a walk in. You know, nice to get some. Well, after three desserts, there were three desserts and like four entrees and three starters. You got You got to walk that off. We'll get into all the details coming up in Swamp Watch. We'll uh, relive the menu and the pitch for North Korea becoming a tourist hotspot a la Miami Beach. Here's where we're going to put the Ferris wheel. I'll explain what a Ferris wheel is later, but you people will love it. Oh, you people. Yeah, yeah, I just figured he'd say it. It is the second anniversary of the Pulse nightclub shooting. They are marking this with a remembrance ceremony, a run, arts exhibits, and, well, litigation. This was the massacre of 49 people inside that Pulse club, the the gay nightclub. And survivors, victims' relatives have sued the Orlando Police Department, the owners of the nightclub, The federal lawsuit against the police in the city was filed last Thursday. It claims police officers should have acted more aggressively to stop the shooter. You know what's it's it's sad when you have to go after police law enforcement to begin with. But because not unlike I said about Trump earlier, you're kind of damned if you do, you're damned if you don't. Too much is aggression. Too little is uh, incourageous. And, you you know, so you're you're stuck in a situation. But going after the nightclub, what kind for inac- uh, inadequate security, what kind of security would you have to have in a nightclub to be able to deal with someone with a high powered weapon? Metal detectors. I, I don't know what the suit says, but that club only had one in entrance to one door going in and out. So those those people were trapped. Yes. They yeah, were. that's rough. The Florida government 
apparently did not conduct background checks on thousands of applicants for concealed weapons for a year because the state employee was unable to log into the system. A state division of licensing employee identified as Lisa Wild was unable to log into the system to actually do these background checks. And she never raised her hand and says, I need my login information. And so thousands of people were able to get a concealed weapons permit, and many of them should not have. It looks like over the weekend, 291 people have had their permits revoked because they never should have had one, all because of this lazy government worker. Sorry, hashtag John John and Ken. (laughs) But what is the... If that's your job, you have one job. Yeah, uh, and it's nope, a, and nobody's checking one. in on that. There's like no, there's no safety. We there's no one have saying to check up on people to do your job. Hey, Lisa, uh, I noticed this is your third lunch of the day. Uh, how are those background Lisa, checks coming? It looks like you are a champion at Candy Crush. How did you get all the time to do that? Hey, Lisa, I noticed you posting on Facebook throughout the day. Like that, no one's gonna say anything. Tech companies are talking about suicide as the conversation continues this week following the suicides of Kate Spade and Anthony Bourdain. And it looks like Facebook and Google Google and some app developers are taking this on. There's a new app called My3, which gives users the ability to stay connected to their chosen network of three contacts when they're in a time of crisis. Uh, what you do is you pick three contacts you feel comfortable reaching out to when you're in a state of crisis. And the app also says that you're able to select at least one mental health professional in addition to some friends. You know what's strange is I actually think social media plays a part in the uptick in suicide. Oh, I do too. Uh, You know why I think that – sorry, I'm cutting you off. No, please. I'll lose my train of thought. Um, It's because instead of having person-to-person conversations and contact with family and friends, we're doing that on our screens on our devices, on our apps and all that. And it doesn't give us the same happiness that face-to-face time with family and friends gives you. And may even zap some of it by the technology, the blue light, all that stuff is not good for your health either. Yeah. The actual screen. uh, So I will take that and I will add to it. And I agree. I think as we, um, certainly as we grow up, we, we stopped going to the bank. You don't know that your bank tellers like you used to. You'd go into the bank and you'd chat with them. You don't talk to the people at the gas station anymore because you can pay at the pump. Um, As we separate ourselves socially from individuals and now connect only through technology, you're absolutely right. That's a problem. You add on top of that that you – we talked a little bit about um, anxiety uh, yesterday and the the paralyzing result of anxiety and panic attacks – well, imagine this, that a lot of it has to do with the, the just a, a total deluge of information. And where else are you getting that deluge a daily of good news and mostly bad news and ugliness and separation? People think that the country is separated because of Trump, and it's not. It's separated because of social media, because people are speaking up and they're uh, dividing themselves and they're going into tribes that we are in a tribal state more than ever before. And if you are ostracized from your tribe or you feel disconnected from your tribe, or if celebrity um, used to be able to give you a bubble of some protection so you had a place to breathe because it takes so much of your life, now you don't have that anymore because you have to stay connected and you have to be a brand. And we're not designed to be brands, we're designed to be human beings. 
and to uh, beings and to connect with one another and have love and touch and all these things. And we've become brands and we've screwed ourselves. It's caused mental health. We're, it, we're not designed to be this way. We're designed to touch and to cuddle and be connected. Now you can't compliment. You can't touch. You can't hug kids because you're a pervert. You can't touch someone because you're a pervert. You can't connect with anybody on a social level anymore. And we're wondering why we're all going nuts and doing stupid things. More uplifting news and uh, sunny dispositions. When we come back. No, you're right. And it's sad. And I don't know what's going to happen, but I have a feeling that the pendulum is going to swing the other way. I, you're right. I really do think. I, oh, that. yeah. We go in cycles. And you, yeah. we're gonna, you're going to see people more and more disconnecting and, and places that are, are saying they're going to be uh, technology free. Right. And things like that. Absolutely, we're going to flip. Thank God we're we're weird that way as a people. Coming up next, remember the superintendent that got caught pooping in public? He wants evidence of it. Gary and Shannon. Ew. Neil Saavedra and Hoffman. Gary and Shannon, Neil Saavedra in today. We will get into all the details out of Singapore coming up in Swamp Watch. After 1 o'clock, Tasty Tuesday happens. How apropos. Yeah, it's Tuesday. It's Tuesday, and you're already here. Hmm. You know, all the parts are in place for the magic to be made. And magic we will make. We told you the tale of Holmdel High School in New Jersey a while ago. Tale. (laughs) You remember what happened at this high school. There were weeks that went by where the faculty was continuing to discover feces on or near the track and football field. The hell? Who's doing this? So what they did is they set up surveillance cameras to find out who was leaving the poop on the track. And they found out that it was the superintendent. That's the guy who was caught on the surveillance. So he was really, really displeased with the way the school was being run. Maybe. Maybe. Or he just had to go uh, repeatedly at the same place all the time. We had a situation. uh, Keep it moving. Okay. Um, Anyway, so he's arrested. Actually, he was arrested while he was running on the track. His lawyers were in court this week, and they had a request. They want the full video and the identity of the witness who claimed. Do you? Do you really want, want that the full, full video? Video of the pooping. Do you really? He faces charges for public defecation, littering, and lewdness. I was just going to say we had a situation in the in the men's restroom here where yeah. a couple of years ago there was a poop on the floor, and Ray Lopez went in and took a picture of it, <laughs> and we never found out. But we never really under, we never really knew whether it was. We assumed it was poop. <laughs> Ray still has the picture to prove it. Okay, but I mean, what did you think? What's the alternative? I don't know. Chocolate Snickers bar. No, guys. No, no. How about Some, an almond joy? BBC decided to do research about what makes people poop in public. Nothing like uh, people with English accents talking about poop. Actually, I think it makes it better. I think English accents make everything better. Professor Mike Berry, clinical forensic psychologist at Birmingham Birmingham University, says rage, anxiety, a desire to send a message like, hey, look at me, alcohol or illness. 
could all be responsible for dropping the turd in the middle of a school ground and or other public place. Back to you in the studio. I like him. He's fun. He sounds like somebody reasonable, right? He says, I've worked on cases where burglars have crapped in the house, and I always ask the police whether it's soft or hard. Oh, man. He says, they look at me like I'm absolutely mad. And I say, well, if it's soft, then it's somebody who's anxious. So, you know, maybe you get a kid who craps on the bed. I'm using his words, by the way. He's using the word crap. Repeatedly. There's a couple words you can't use in here, by and, the way. And then he says, if it's really hard stool, then it's an indication of somebody who's angry and bitter about what he's doing. Yeah, but why, why is that not diet? I mean, I'm not a doctor. No, I get it. Nor Um, am I. But it could be diet, but it could also be an indication of somebody who's really got to go. You know? What? I cannot explain the amount of anger I would have if somebody (laughs) broke into my house, stole my stuff, and then crapped in the center of it. (laughs) I would be like, that to me is, I know this person. Like, to me, that's somebody (laughs) I know that really doesn't like me. That's not just. Or it could be somebody who really loves you. You know, it could be Handle. Yeah, you know, but yeah, but Handle would be calling me every 10 seconds, giggling, going, hey, hey, so have you been home yet? Have you been home? Did you go home yet today? Did you go home? Okay, just call me when you get home. Like he would totally. not be able to let the he, joke lie. Yeah, no, he cannot let a joke yeah. play out. He's got to jump on it, yeah. step in it, run up and, and smear it around. Yeah, so. Um, hmm. Poop. Does it bother anybody else that we're doing research about what makes people poop in public? Like that—that—that's what the great minds of our society should be studying. Why not? I think you learn a lot from people. Here's—we look at the same things, right? Uh-huh. We look at the same things, and how can I? Is there a legally blonde reference in this? No, but I will give you a fighting analogy. I, I, I studied fighting for a good chunk of time. And used to compete and and like it. It's a, it's like chess with consequences is what I always tell people. And there is a type of fight style that is called destructive. Now, all fighting is destructive, but most people will – like if, if a guy's going to swing at me, there's certain telltale signs. And um, there's going to be certain things that people do. Most people are right-handed, so if you're protecting your left side, you're better off. But most people protect their face, their chest – and their genitals, because those are the targets, right? Destructive fighting is when you fight against non-traditional targets. So the back of the hand, the shoulder, where the muscles separate, and there's it's very tender. If you fight that way, nobody knows how to defend against it because they're protecting their face, their chest, their solar plexus, their groin, these these typical targets. So bear with me. Soft spots. Yes. So my point is that if you study the traditional things all the time, you're going to get one chunk of information. Every once in a while, you got to you got to go to the non-traditional places to get information because you'll you'll find that there's a wealth there that nobody wants to look Mm -hmm. for because look, you've got Kim Jong Un who doesn't want people going Uh, through his poop. We're talking about people who poop in public. Uh, I don't find there to be a wealth of information coming out of that research. Okay, let's just do. I mean, how let, many people are we talking okay, about? Okay, hold on a is second. Is this a thing? This is. Is this widespread? Be careful what you how you answer this, but you are allowed. You have my permission to give a general answer. Okay. Don't 
What has no. this ever? We're going. To do you news. know? Do you know of any? Have you ever had an experience with that anywhere in your life? Girls don't poop, Neil. No, I'm not talking about you individually, you wing nut. I'm saying, have you ever a, a serial pooper? Have has that ever crossed your life in any yes, way? Yes, it has crossed my life. Okay, and mine too. So apparently, it's a little more. A, it's a little more recurring. A little more prevalent than yes. I thought. Okay. Excellent. You know what? I'll give you the win. Okay. Thank it you. It is good that we're studying public pooping. At a girl. Gary and Shannon, Neil Saavedra in Swamp Watch coming up next. Drain the swamp. We're going to drain the swamp of Washington. We're going to have fun doing it. We're all doing it together. Gary and Shannon, Neil Saavedra in today. Well, the United States has agreed to suspend military exercises with South Korea in return for a commitment from North Korea to scrap its nuclear program. This was a bit of a surprise coming out of this meeting. Louis Martinez from ABC News has been following the development, joins us now. Louis, what's the latest? Hey, Shannon. Well, the latest is that what exactly is going to happen here, because this was the most surprising announcement to come from uh, that meeting in Singapore. But surprisingly, it was not inside that agreement. This was something that was unilaterally announced uh, by President Trump uh, following his meetings with Kim Jong-un, where he talked about uh, these large-scale U.S. military exercises that he has called provocative. Now, that's interesting because those are the the exact same words that North Korea has used for decades uh, to counter these uh, large-scale exercises that are held by the U.S. and South Korean militaries uh, every year in South Korea. Um, but uh, this is what's drawing attention, and uh, the question is, what's going to be impacted? When do they? When does this actually begin, and how long will it last? Yeah, it did seem when he used that word provocative like he was towing the, the North Korean line there. Um, now, it's totally in line with what they've been saying for years. It was kind of actually surprising to, when I heard him say it this morning, um, because uh, that's not a word that we have used here at the Pentagon. What, what we hear from military officials here at the Pentagon is that you know, these are defensive uh, exercises uh, where the U.S. and South Korea train regularly so that they can, quote, fight tonight. That's the motto that they have there in South Korea, so that they can help defend uh, against any North Korean aggression. Um, so it was kind of surprising to hear a flip there, if you will, uh, that uh, the terminology that's often been used by the North Koreans being used by the American president. And also the fact that we have not only, you know, stayed the course with the terms you just used, but also denied that it was provocative in any way, shape or form, like outright uh, denied. No, that's exactly right. I mean, forceful pushbacks over the years that uh, these exercises are necessary. And, you know, these exercises have these very large, funny names. Like, for example, the big one every spring is called Full Eagle. Um, And uh, it lasts two months. And it's just an umbrella name for a variety of smaller exercises held throughout the country. You see, like, amphibious landings carried out by Marine forces. You see these uh, long-range bombers flying from Guam over to uh, South Korea. And and actually, those are one of the – that, that example of those bomber missions was something that the president complained about. He talked about how expensive they are. Uh, he talked about that uh, they're very costly because he knows the cost involved in aviation. Um, but, you know, I've been asking around today how, exactly how much these exercises cost, and we've not been able to get a good enough answer right now. It has been called a surprise to everyone, uh, this decision to suspend military drills. But today I saw that uh, Secretary of Defense 
Mad Dog Mattis said that it wasn't a surprise and that Trump consulted him. That's exactly right. Uh, I was uh, talking to Dana White. Uh, she is the uh, chief Pentagon spokesman and uh, Secretary Mattis's uh, chief point person on all matters uh, public. And um, we, you know, we asked her, uh, it, it, was the secretary uh, aware that this was happening? And she was, you know, very, she cut right to the chase, says, listen, there were no surprises. Uh, she and the president had spoken, he and the president had spoken on all of these issues well in advance. Um, he was consulted, and uh, she reinforced that, you know, he's in full alignment with all of his goals, uh, which is to denuclearize uh, North Korea. Do you know when our next scheduled military drill was supposed to, to happen there? And what are the what is our military's response been in South Korea, if if any at all? Sure. So it's uh, the next one has a, a funky name. It's called Ulchi Freedom Guardian, and it's slated to begin in August. Um, and, you know, we're talking about large numbers of American troops involved in this one, but it's largely computer-based um, because you don't have to actually physically train sometimes. And, you know, other times you can just train how you're going to respond to something virtually. Um, but uh, what we got from the U.S. Forces Korea uh, was an interesting statement. You know, they said that they had not received uh, any updated guidance about uh, this particular exercise, um, and that as far as they are con- uh, concerned, they are continuing uh, with their uh, current planning until they hear otherwise uh, from the Pentagon. Louis, great stuff as always. Appreciate your time. Thanks, Jen. Louis Martinez, their ABC News correspondent. Yeah, we will have to wait and see what happens. The president having a, a bit of self-awareness about how he, he would respond to complete inaction by Kim Jong-un and taking steps to scrap the nuclear program. I think, honestly, I think he's going to do these things. I may be wrong. I mean, I may stand before you in six months and say, hey, I was wrong. I don't know that I'll ever admit that, but I'll find, a, I'll find some kind of an excuse. OK, one or two. One more. Come on. And and if he doesn't see any steps, the drills will go on in August. We'll see that happen. I and think he's that's left that. Time. I mean, that dangle was dangled out there too. He said, you know, it's. I think it's when you're in talks to try and create peace that to kind of pull those things and say, hey, yeah, we're not going to. It's tacky to be standing here with guns loaded if we're going to be talking about peace. It's an interesting move. It is. I mean, people are saying that it's a gimme uh, to the other side, but I don't know that it's necessarily that. I think it's a, hey, if we're going to talk about peace, we're let's talk about peace. Dennis Rodman is over the moon about this. I remember you saying it. Let me ask you it's something. Amazing. Does Kim it's understand amazing. English, Dennis? It's, no, it's, no, it's amazing. It's, it's amazing. It's amazing. When I said those things, when I said those damn things, when I went back home, I got so many death threats. I got so many death threats when I was sitting there protecting everything. And I believed in North Korea. And when I went home, I couldn't even go home. I couldn't even go home. I had to hide out for 30 days. I couldn't even go home. He's an emotional man, you know? You got to love an emotional man who may be the, uh, the, the guy who helped bring peace to the Korean Peninsula. And the children will learn about the one they called the worm. Coming up next, the fun stuff. What did President Trump and Kim Jong-un eat over their five hours together? And Donald Trump's plan to turn North Korea into a tourist hotspot like Miami. Gary and Shannon, Neil Saavedra in. It just takes some time, a little bit of 
Gary and Shannon, KFI AM640. We will get to all the fun stuff coming out of the Singapore summit at the top of the hour following Monica's news, the, the president's idea to turn North Korea into a tourist hotspot, as well as the menu that the two dined on. But we did have some other matters of swamp watchiness to tell you about. We found out that Larry Kudlow, a White House economic advisor yesterday, suffered a heart attack. Now, the reason that when that news came out, we all said, huh, is because we just talked about this man yesterday. Yeah, he was already in the news. He was in the news yesterday for the aftermath of the G7 summit. This was the G7 summit about economics where the president, President Trump, left early and after he left... Justin Trudeau, the Canadian prime minister, said that they were going to have to retaliate to our steel and aluminum tariffs. And so this guy, Larry Kudlow, the White House economic advisor, went on the cable news shows saying that Justin Trudeau really stabbed us in the back and that it was a betrayal from an ally, from an ally we've had for forever. Um That was also coupled with Peter Navarro's comments, a trade advisor to the president, when he said there's a special place in hell for any foreign leader that engages in bad faith diplomacy with President Donald J. Trump and then tries to stab him in the back on the way out the door. So Navarro and Kudlow were the two attack dogs following the the Trudeau statements after the G7. Kudlow's uh, heart attack is said to have been very mild and it's said that he's okay. Do you think that that's the retaliation? You think that's what Canada did? They gave him a mild heart attack? Canada wouldn't do that. They are they are very polite. This whole Trudeau they went like, uh, hey, retaliation let's give, conversation is so out of character. They're like, let's give let's give him a massive heart attack. And then by the time they did, he said, well, maybe just a mild one. Do they have little elves up there in Canada that, that can uh, do magic to, to... I don't know. The timing's just peculiar is what I'm saying. It is peculiar. And I'm glad to hear that he's okay. But And I'm glad to hear that they, you know... They're not taking Ryan Reynolds from us. Oh, that would be terrible. Oh, my God. That would be terrible. Who would you throw back? Nickelback. Nickelback. Mm. <laughs> or Nickelback. <laughs> Just everyone's punching yeah. bag. <laughs> that would be a loss I think we could all deal with. Jared Kushner and Ivanka Trump make an S-ton of money. Last year, they made at least $82 million in outside income while serving in the White House. You know how many ghost towns you can buy with $82 million? Like 82. We could buy all the ghost towns. Trump earned $3.9 million from her stake in the Trump International Hotel in Washington. More than $2 million in severance from the Trump Organization. Kushner reported over $5 million in income from Quail Ridge, an apartment complex acquired last year in Plainsboro, New Jersey. Ethics experts don't like this. They say that this could create conflicts of interest. You've got two people who have the very close ear of the president and they they are due to make money from from different investments that they have different holdings in this country and internationally i don't know how as we get further along uh, as a country and you have people of, of some wealth or connections how you can separate this like how can you cleanly separate this you've got um there's a Trump, lot of tentacles. Trump, yeah, Trump just with with her clothing line 
uh, has companies uh, that are, are making their clothing line factories in Bangladesh, Indonesia, China. I mean, I, I don't know how you could totally separate, but I do understand why it raises an eyebrow and makes people uncomfortable. The spokesman for the uh, for Abby Lowell, who is the ethics counsel for Kushner and Trump, says that the couple has followed all ethics rules and that Monday's disclosures are an insufficient way to understand the nuances of their net worth. Go away, poor people. You don't understand how we do business. <laughs> you don't understand the nuances of, of net worth. You know, this is embarrassing because I do uh, the Fork Report here on Saturdays, and there's places where I won't allow them giving me a free meal. So I said, it's just not, I don't want to look like I'm... Uh, Biased. Yeah, I want to be able to say I like this place or I don't like this place or anything like that. And I turn down insignificant freebies. If somebody gives me a dessert or they buy me a drink, or it's fine. But usually if I'm going to, to try a place for the first time, unless it's a media event, then I just pay. And I've had arguments with managers saying, you cannot buy my meal. Thank you. It's lovely. You cannot buy my meal. Yeah. And then I have friends that own places and they're chefs. And they buy me meals all the time. But And that's like $30. Right. And these people are dealing with millions of millions and millions of dollars. I mean, is... How does it not get sticky? It Doesn't the red tape get cut a little bit if you're trying to open up or you're trying to buy an apartment complex or... or um, you want to open up another factory to make your fashions. Doesn't some of the red tape get cut when a jurisdiction or city leaders or whoever makes the decision knows that you have the ear of, of the most powerful person in the world? Well, be honest. When you heard the uh, information coming out about the videotape, of the, uh, the digital presentation that Donald J. Trump showed Kim Jong-un talking about the beaches and the development, didn't you – at any point go, oh, my gosh, he's trying to build there. He wants to build on those beaches. Yeah. Don't you feel like it's Absolutely. like catch me, catch me in a handful of years if, I'm, if I've changed businesses Absolutely. by that time? You know, in a handful of years, uh, the president could call up Kim Jong-un on the phone and say, hey, remember that beautiful video? Uh, that, uh, that video could, could happen when I put Trump hotels all along that coastline. Mm-hmm. Let's go into business together. Let's make some money. He's a businessman first. Could you imagine it, uh, the the name Dotard in big bold letters on the side of a building, and then Kim Jong Un laughing about it next to the Little Rocket Man Cafe? <laughs> yeah. I love it. We'll talk about Trump's plan to to bring tourism to North uh, North Korea when we come back right here on Gary and Shannon. Gary and Shannon, Neil Savedra is here, which is why during the news we have the conversation of uh, what, to, to salt and pepper your tomatoes. Yeah, we were talking sandwiches in the break. Yeah. That's how we roll. That's how. That's what goes down. <laughs> roll sandwiches. When, when Neil is here. <laughs> They just keep coming. Hey, fatty. <laughs> with you <laughs> oh. we have a treasure trove of gary clips yeah. it's a gift that keeps on giving yes indeed and he will be back to give them in real life tomorrow i think he puts um nuts on his sandwiches 
Excuse me? I could pack nuts in my mouth like a squirrel. Yep. You did that on purpose. Tasty Tuesday will arrive at about 1.30. In the meantime, there were some fun things that came out of this summit in North Korea, which we'll get to. But the latest is President Trump has called Republican senators from Air Force One on his way home from the meeting. Uh, There was a senator from Wyoming, Republican senator, who said the president sounded confident and upbeat. Uh, Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell says he hopes any agreement that emerges takes the form of a treaty that would come before the Senate for a vote. And I think there's a lot of lawmakers in Washington just kind of flabbergasted and taken aback about uh, the developments. They're not uh, necessarily celebrating uh, Mitch McConnell calling the meeting, though, a major first step. So obviously not a decisive one if North Korea doesn't follow through, but we'll have to wait and see. What did they eat? Well, we've got the menu right here. This was a six-course meal that included three desserts. I mean, these are not small men. They needed sustenance. They could eat. The starters were uh, prawns, prawns cocktail, served with uh, avocado salad. Mm, That sounds delicious. Then we move on to the, you know, you're the fork reporter. Why don't you present the menu? What? The green green mango caribou, which mm. is like a, a mound of rice. It's a rice dish, a Malaysian rice dish. And this one has a honey lime dressing and fresh octopus. I'm not a big fan of fresh octopus. I like my octopus fried and breaded. Grilled. Yeah. Well, grilled. Do you have grilled? No, I'm not a fan of that. Why? Grilled? Oh, no. I, I refer like to, to grilled octopus as the bacon of the sea. If it's grilled properly, it's, it's I don't a little like salty the and it's consistency is my problem. Oh my gosh, you're not having it at the right places. Place that sous vide it first and then tosses it on the grill. Oh, good night, Irene. Do you need a moment? Two moments. All right, I'll continue with the menu while you think about Yo, your what? octopus. What? <laughs> there was there was two <laughs> or three words that I think we had to stuffed dump. Stuffed cucumber. What is that stuffed with? Well, it depends. What do you want? It's stuffed with a Korean. <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> they put a whole you Korean in there. You that, Blake. They put the whole Korean in there. Then there was the main course, the beef short rib confit. Oh, yeah, confit. is Whenever you can have duck confit, oh, and short ribs confit is fantastic. Uh, low and slow in, in, in an, uh, an oil, a fat, and it just comes out so tender. And just comes apart in your mouth. I'm Googling what they did to the potatoes. It looks like it's just a gratin, a fancy word for gratin. What was the word again? Uh, Daffinoa. Yeah, I'm I'm sure I should know that, but don't. That's a big failure. Hey, there's a lot of big failures. You know how earlier I said you should do a show about food? I take it back. You know, one of the biggest failures was uh, a couple weeks ago when you asked me to join you for two days, <laughs> and I said yes. Um, crispy pork, sweet and sour crispy pork, uh, some some codfish, and then the three desserts, dark chocolate ganache, uh, Haagen-Dazs, vanilla ice cream, and something. Haagen-Dazs. And then Haagen-Dazs. I'm going to th- uh, Google the third thing. Oh, no, you said you knew what it, that it's was. It's just a pastry. Yeah, a French pastry of some kind. Mm-hmm. L- lovely. I'd eat that. There's nothing on there that I wouldn't eat. That looks that's pretty that's good. a big surprise. But Okay, my favorite part of the summit was this, though. Donald Trump is trying to hard sell Kim Jong-un to give up those nuclear weapons. 
with a video, a promotional video of what North Korea could be. It could be a tourist hotspot. If North Korea freed itself of all the sanctions, the global sanctions that it has uh, placed itself under, the money would flow into North Korea. The people would be happy. And maybe it's a tourist hotspot. The president said you have great beaches. You can see that whenever uh, they're exploding the cannons into the ocean, right? <laughs> I love that kind of analogy. You think his, his video started out with, in a world well, there, where a short, chubby man yes, with a bad hair. that's kind of what it was like. There was a voiceover. And the voice in the video, so the video is a beautiful coastline, Miami Beach, condos, uh, boardwalks, speedboats, the whole bit. And the voiceover says that the summit is a special moment in time when a man is presented with one chance that may never be repeated. What will he choose, to show vision and leadership or not? Do you want to hear it? Yeah. All right, here we go. What? Yeah. Destiny Pictures presents a story of opportunity. A new story, a new beginning, one of peace, two men, two leaders, one destiny. Oh one my. cup. Oh, am I hey? No, not one cup. Shame <laughs> on you for knowing that reference, Missy. Shame on you for bringing it up. What is it? Shame on you no, for laughing. We, we will not bring that up. No, we will I'm, not. I'm, we're not shame on it. you. Do I, I have thought... to Google it? But yes, but I, on your own time, not on not no, not on, on a company computer. computer. Do Please not. don't. No, 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 no for don't. real. How does for real. everyone not know what this for, means? But just me. don't. It came okay. out when I was in high school. Do not. Okay. No. Please. All right. I turned your computer off. You can. Do oh that. my gosh, I'm, I'm sweating. You should go incognito. Oh. Uh, oh. I'm like tearing up. Please don't. No, 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 oh, no, God. no. Is there a double incognito? Oh, oh my God. Wait, it's just one cup, right? Uh, uh, oh, that's good. enough. Measurements. That's We're fine. more We're than fine. enough. Oh, Urban Dictionary. I found oh, it. No, oh, Lord. Urban Dictionary. Says... Keep it moving. Keep it moving. Hey, you want to break? Oh, really? I need to see that picture. <laughs> oh, okay. I got it. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> not us. We didn't do it. No, this is Neil's fault. I did. I was merely a reference for the love. Pop culture. I will say <sighs> one thing. Pop culture. This, this no. Wait a second. Wait a second. I will say this: that <laughs> Destiny Pictures sounds like a porn company. Brought to you by Destiny Pictures. I think you've said enough. I agree. Coming up next. Oh, two against one. That reminds me of. No, nope. Reel wow. it in. Wow. Coming up <laughs> next. <laughs> in other international news. Well, I never. Japan is drinking less. So brewers have answered. We'll tell you what their answer is when we come back. Gary and Shannon, I think I'm going to throw up. I, yeah. Yeah. Monica. A little kinky, but I like it. How's the latest? Mm-mm. You Shannon, KFI AM 640, more stimulating talk. Neil Saavedra is with me today. Do you hear about what Domino's is doing here in Burbank? They are filling potholes. 
They are filling potholes, uh, and over the potholes, you will see the Domino's logo and the company's catchphrase, Oh, Yes, We Did. They announced yesterday they're partnering with a couple different towns to fix potholes so that you have a smoother ride home for your takeaway pizzas. Hmm. Bartonville, Texas, Milford, Delaware, Athens, Georgia, and Burbank, California. This is not the first fast food chain to try this. Uh, In 2009, KFC selected five American towns to uh, fix potholes in, and it blew up in their face in Petaluma, where Gary's from, because PETA went crazy. PETA told the local paper at the time, we think people would be upset to learn that road repairs were a direct result of cruelty to chickens. Oh, boy. I will tell you this, that it does, Burbank, God bless them, I I don't have problems in Burbank. I have problems when you get out of Burbank. That's right. Burbank is run I I have problems on the five in Burbank. Yeah. But that's not Burbank's fault. No. It's a third world country on the five in Burbank. It's, It's insane what that highway does to your car. Yeah, don't go to Burbank to fill potholes. Burbank is run well. Go to, Go to LA, Sunset Boulevard. L.A. proper, where I am dodging massive holes. Craters in the yeah, earth. You can, on the move, way to work. you can move into those, essentially. They, oh, you just solved the homeless problem. <gasps> if we had homeless people move into the big craters that are potholes in L.A. and we build a structure, everyone wins. Gosh, that's brilliant. I feel yeah, like we've solved a Eric, lot of problems. Eric Garcetti on the phone. What's going on in Japan? Japan is drinking less, and brewers have decided a new way to face this. Well, they're trying to deal with this by upping the alcohol percentage uh, by volume so that, uh, you know, it has to stay within a certain level. Otherwise, it pushes it into a different tax bracket. Um, But they're doing this to entice new drinkers because there's a dip in people that are drinking Beer. So people have the idea that they're getting more for their money. Like I can buy one beer that's nine percent, or I could buy two that are that are you know four point five percent, and it's cheaper to buy the one. Well, sort of, because people are uh, in Japan are moving a lot towards wine and liquor, and so to you know play in that market and say, hey, we're still gonna you know give you bang for your buck, they're putting in a higher alcohol limit. Do you hear the voices? In your head? I think those are for you. No, no, no. no. I think those are definitely. Are you seriously hearing voices in your head right now? It might just be my headphones. I just want to fix the problem before John and Ken get here because John. Oh, you scared me that I was thinking, are you really? (laughs) Are you having a mental breakdown? This is 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 how it happens. This is where Shannon breaks down. Jerry's not even here to see it. Yeah, two things were going through my head, not on my watch. And then then the other thing was, what what date did I have in the pool (laughs) when you were going to lose it? And I was going, well, uh, I might make some money here. No, I fixed it. It was just, it was just the computer. Uh, oh, the sound. Was the up. look on your face was pretty mm-hmm. priceless. You were staring th- right through me. Yeah. And I was like, <laughs> "Who's behind me?" Oh my goodness. Okay. Uh, what are we doing? We've got Tasty Tuesday coming up next. What is on the docket here? Well, something that is near and dear to our hearts here at the radio station. Food at work adds up to a lot of extra, often empty 
calories. Isn't that the truth? Whenever there's free food at work, it's like calories don't even matter. I think that's the way people approach it. Fatty, fatty, two by four, can't get through the office door. We're not fat shaming on this program <laughs> anymore. I told you I'm allowed to. You know how you can test your willpower? If if your diet's going really well and, you know, you're making progress and then somebody brings free food, free donuts, free yep. pizza, oh, yeah. yep. and you just dive right in. Yep. Mm-hmm. Because there's there's different rules. It tastes better when it's free. There's different rules. All right, we'll tackle that and more food news when we come back. We'll get the fork reporter. We'll get this mean guy out of here and find that nice fork reporter down the hall. Actually, I think your mom sees it in reverse. She sees the fork reporter <laughs> as the mean guy and me as the nice guy. <laughs> Gary and Shannon, Neil Saavedra in today, KFI AM 640. Hey, Nick. Yes, yeah, Shannon. What do you get when you play tug of war with a pig? <laughs> I don't know what. Pulled pork. (laughs) Let me teach you how to eat. Let me teach you how to eat. How to marinate the meat. Let me teach you how to eat. It's a culinary I never get tired of your song. Let me teach you how to The right reverend singing. It's great. It's a great song. I get the sneaking suspicion it's not about food, but Is this another one cup thing? Keep it moving. Is it really not about food? I didn't say that, did I? I said I can't help but get the feeling. Gary and Shannon, KFI AM 640. It is 1.30 on Tuesday, which means we begin Tasty Tuesday with Neil Saavedra, our fork reporter. Man, that's a coinky dink. That's nice how that worked out. Right? Tuesday, I'm here. Right, you're already here. <laughs> you don't have to limo me in like normal Tuesdays, helicopter me in. Okay, on Nick's back. Yeah. Because you usually will only come into the studio via piggyback. Separate uh, all the green M&Ms out of the... Right. Candy dish. If and... you don't know Neil, one thing you should know is he is like Mariah Carey. Oh, yeah. Uh, he will Not just only... the big, you know, thighs, but... Uh... She big thighs? I don't know. No. I, I don't need to Google everything. No. no. I think today was probably a good day for you to stop Googling. I'm surprised you didn't learn that about 40 minutes ago. Talk to me about food at work and why we eat it. Like we've never seen food before and we need a meal. You know, Monica uh, hit on this. It it really, a lot of it has to do with free food. There's something inherent in us that makes us go, oh, there's free food. We have to take it. We're here for at work at least for eight hours a day. And so you should have at least one meal here. But often you have snacky foods and garbage foods here. Even our, we have a like a little convenience store here. Yeah. And it has a lot of stuff. But it's kind of hard when you're in, when you're looking for something light, like maybe in the 500 calorie range for lunch, to find something there that's not super high in salt or these types of things. So you don't have great choices to begin with. And then it, depending on where you work, people bring in the donuts, people bring in... You know, it's Bagel Tuesday or it's whatever, and they start bringing in food, and it's hard to say no. They're all, there's also the uh, boredom aspect to it. In a lot of jobs, when you're bored, 
It, you can be bored at work, and uh, you eat more when you're bored. Or you break the monotony. I think that right. plays a lot up a part in it. It's like if you've got something very stressful, a lot of us are stress eaters, and you've got something that you're in the middle of, or maybe there's a hurdle you have to jump over, and you just can't get your brain around it. You go, okay, I'm, I need energy. I'm going to go do this. And we eat, and if you don't smoke, and you're not the four people that are ostracized outside in that really small patio area <laughs> yeah. where everybody looks at them like they're animals. Look, they still smoke. Oh, my God. You know, it's poison. And that's why. That's when I quit. I found myself hiding in an alleyway because of the shame that people would toss your way uh, if oh, you're about still smoking. Cigarettes? Yeah. Okay. I thought you were going somewhere else. But um, <laughs> good for you. Very proud of you. And so unless you smoke and you can break the monotony that way or you've, you've already voided your bladder – it's people go to eat. I was listening to a researcher talk about this phenomenon, and they did a study where they had people in a room, and uh, they asked them what they like for lunch, and they wrote down things that they like to eat for lunch. And so they went out and they got these things, and they they brought them in the room, and said, "Okay, lunchtime." They put it down. The people ate the food. Ten minutes later, they came back in three to, three new lunches. Lunchtime, they put it down. The people ate the food. The next time they they came in. 10 minutes, 15 minutes later, lunchtime, most of the people ate the food. Because when food is presented to you, you're going to eat it. It's free. It's presented to you. Another another example was um, food on a plane. There was a, a, a 3 p.m. flight out of Chicago. Everyone had already eaten lunch. But that, and then at 3.30, cruising altitude, they serve another meal. Everyone ate the food because it's presented to them. It looks good. It's there. You think it's free, ostensibly. So... There is something to that. Absolutely. You just it, – it, and so we end up eating uh, more calories than we need to. And now, it takes 3,500 uh, 3, calories to make a pound. Consequently, it makes 3,500 calories to lose a pound. You have to take – subtract 3,500 calories out of your diet uh, for the week or if you add them. So those snacking things, people think uh, it's 100 calories here, 100 calories there, whatever – you could end up in a week easily putting on an extra thousand calories, uh, almost one third pound, just by snacking, let alone having another meal, where if it's presented to you. Right. Yeah. But you're a good snacker. You, I, you like you have protein, like cheeses or yeah. meat, salami or bacon or these types of things that satiate you. And I your, eat uh, several times a day. Uh, small things. I think that's a good way to go. Yeah. Um, I don't. I know you were curious whether. I, <laughs> what? Why? What do you do? Why is that funny? No, I'm. What I do you, what, you, why do you laugh? You, eat? you know, um, Shannon's drinking smart water. You know, it doesn't make you that. It's. Are you getting all the licks in uh, in the last twenty minutes? All Listen, the I got twenty minutes more to go, and then to throw for for two days. And then I'm been gone. So nice, and then I'm gone. It's been so polite, and now it's just uh, it's it's going to get ugly. No, seriously, the last ten minutes do is it's going to get dark. Do you do uh, like a big meal, two three times I just a day, eat. or okay? I do. I actually, that's not totally true. Well, I do bring food lots of times. It gets broken, though, because I have lunch meetings or Handel will go, hey, let's go. I want to talk about this. Let's go to lunch. Well, let's go to breakfast or what have you. But it, it is hard to keep regiment when I'm here because sometimes I get pulled into meals yeah. for for work. And I'm right. like, okay. Um, but I try and bring a 500-calorie a meal with me to work 
every day. I have a 400-calorie meal for breakfast. I have a 500-calorie meal for dinner. And then the rest is I try and control as I can. And then on the weekends, I don't care. But I'm a big guy. I can eat a lot That sounds like not that many calories at all. No. So that's what I'm saying is everything else, all the other calories comes from... Unexpected food sources. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Kraft is offering up a chance to do a custom cheese sculpture for you. Yeah, I know. Like, of all the things, this is for Father's Day. And and actually, today uh, is the last day, and I think it's probably past the deadline. But how funny is this? They had an auction site on eBay to place a bid. Uh, Only five cheese sculptures will be made. The starting bid is $500. And they basically, it takes three days to make the sculpture, and they get a picture of your dad, and then... They carve it into cheese. Gary's kids have to do this. Like, right? right. Uh, they need, today, like, a sharp, extra uh, sharp cheddar? Today is the day that they've got to get their their uh, bids in because Gary would kill a a uh, cheese sculpture of that Kraft sharp cheddar cheese. Oh, yeah. I it mean, would, he would make a meal out of that thing. What part of his face do you think he'd eat first? Because I think it's telling. No, his forehead. Why start with the right. biggest thing? Uh, maybe maybe you cut off the nose. Hmm. Interesting. I'm not sure. I don't know what you I wanted. wonder if it would be weird to eat your own mouth. Not if it was made of cheese. Touche. I mean, anything made of cheese, it's not weird to, to eat. So we'll just uh, edit that out. Coming up next, we've got a new bourbon to tell you about, and you will never believe where it came from. Is it made of cheese? uh, No. You know, you'd eat anything that's made of cheese. Yeah. Word on the street. Also, the food of the future. We have a hint as to what that is. So if it was like shaped like a brain, (laughs) but it was made of cheese, you'd eat it? Yes. What, like, like an ear? Yes. Like any body part? Yes. Well, I mean, think about a chocolate bunny. You know, you're you're eating bunny ears because they're made of chocolate. It's not weird at all. Hmm. Gary and Shannon, Neil Saavedra in. <laughs> Gary and Shannon. Neil Saavedra in today. Hey, come join us. We are having a party on this Friday, 10 to 2. It is a gas news and brews at Slide Bar in Fullerton. $5 craft beer pints, great food, good company. It's going to be a lot of fun. We always have a good time in Orange County. Hell, wherever we go, we have a good time. Who am I kidding? But uh, it's all because of the crowd that shows up. Best crowd. So news and brews Friday. 10 to 2, be there, call in sick, do what you have to do. You know the drill. Join us. We are talking food this Tasty Tuesday, and we've got a new bourbon to tell you about. (laughs) I love love how have we literally scratched the bottom of the barrel to come up with something different. You've got uh, New Hampshire Distillery has a new bourbon, Eau de Musk, which is basically what uh, musk and water. Uh, musk and water. Yeah, I guess that's what, what that would translate. Um, but what makes this bourbon so special is it's made with something called uh, castorium. 
Now, castoreum is something that is excreted from the rectal area of the beaver's caster sacs. Sits off it. No joke. Wait, what is a caster sac? That's where the caster comes from. That's the, uh, it's. Can I look at yours too? It, it, it lines the rectum. Like the on the outside. Sack? It's like the. What was anus. that little the, hand motion you well, did? I don't know. Let's just say, you know Google what I, it. you know, I just thought of something. We were just rubbing it all over ourselves. <laughs> I'm going to Google it. I just thought of something. What? A question for you. Yeah. Uh-oh. Since you would eat any body part that was made from cheese, would you eat the caster sacks, beaver's caster sacks, if they were made of cheese? Yes, because I'm Googling caster sacks and they you just see. look like uh, Check that out. oval type. Fake balls. Uh, what's that? Paint Fake balls. balls. Fake ball. I don't know what that one said. No, it sounds like people are jumping in that aren't even here anymore. That's not fair. Okay, so this is what's weird about this, and I brought this up. Beavers use their caster sacs, the the secretion from their caster sacs, in combination with urine to scent mark territory. Both beavers. right. Both beaver sexes have a pair of caster sacs and a pair of anal glands located in two cavities under the skin between the pelvis and the base of the tail. Mm-hmm. Okay. So now, now we're making bourbon out of that. Yes, but here's the thing. This has been used in food before because it has vanilla notes. It was used at for a time in vanilla ice cream. No joke. And others. Now, it's not used very often anymore. And the reason why is it's super expensive. To extract, because now you got to pay. How does this affect the beaver? The beaver mostly goes, yeah, that's it. Now a little, little lower. That, Is that uh, right? Are uh, you sure that there? Uh, there's okay. the caster sack. Are you sure that the beaver does not feel any discomfort when you're trying to get the secretions? I have never, um, I have never extracted castorium. From a beaver's caster sacs, personally. So I don't know, and I don't want to speak out of school. Blake, Blake is usually good with animal knowledge and, and knowing how the animals feel. Blake, does the beaver feel any discomfort when you're uh, taking the secretions from the caster sacs? I think it might be... Um... It might be best described as like when you're stretching a sore muscle where it starts out slightly uncomfortable, but by the end of it, you're just relieved that you've gotten some of that pressure removed. That's kind of like how I felt about uh, filling in for Gary for two days. Yeah, basically the same thing. It's interesting that there's such similarities. So, yes, that, that has been used in food before, has been used in perfumes before and makeup before. It's not used very often often because it's not cheap, but... Um, Apparently, it it has rich leathery notes along with creamy vanilla aroma. The food of the future. Castorium. No. No? Nope. Mm. Experts say it's algae. Going out on a high note. Okay, so algae algae and bugs are going to be definitely a food of the future. You've got pound for pound. You've got such a major footprint when it comes to um, proteins like beef. On an average, it takes about 1,800 gallons of water to create one pound of beef. It's a lot of freaking water. Now you start, because you're looking at food, everything, now you start uh, calculating the amount of actual land it takes to do that and the fact that American, male, uh, American males 
consume 100 grams of protein daily, which is almost double the necessary amount. You look at this, the United Nations projects food production will need to increase as much as 70% by 2050 to feed an extra 2.5 billion humans on this planet. And they're looking for different ways to be able to uh, give supply of protein to those needs. And two of the best ways to get protein um, that doesn't take, that's super sustainable, are bugs and possibly algae. So algae is, I mean, these, they... They grow in all kinds of places, including deserts. There's tons of different types, um, and some of them are actually tasty. Not all of them are slimy and icky and weird. And sooner or later, this stuff is going to have to start making its way into our food supply. No, it doesn't. I think it will happen by way of additives, to be honest with you. I think it will be dried and pulverized and added to powders um, that way. They already have flour. They already have, uh, like, cricket flour and bug flour and things like that now, where it's pulverized so you wouldn't have the ick factor. And I think they'll do the same thing with this, and it will slowly make its way into our Do you enjoy uh, snacking on crickets? Uh, they call it <laughs> chapalinas. Uh, yeah, if you go to a Oaxacan restaurant, they're served like chips. Yeah. Yeah. Do you enjoy them? I do. Okay. Uh, yeah. I don't think I'm ever going to get there. I don't uh, think I'm ever going to uh, get to a place. Have you I'm, had them? I'm popping in crickets like a potato chips. I'm just not ready for that. And I, I don't feel like uh, that is the future. It's... I'm going to call uh, baloney on that story. I'm not eating crickets. Uh, but what I'll if it was in a flower the... or something and no. it was milled down and you didn't know? No. no. How no, are you going to know? No need. Well, if no. I don't know, that's one thing. But I'm not going to willingly pop crickets into my mouth. Like You travel. Uh, You've never had crickets? My husband has. But I don't do that. No. The lower leg's a little rough. It's like a, oh. eating an E-string from an electric guitar. But everything else is pretty tasty. Neil, the last two days have been an utter joy. Who are you telling? This is an honor. Thank you. Gary should be back tomorrow, potentially. We'll see. You actually, in all seriousness, you do a fantastic job, and it's been fun to watch. So hey, thanks. thanks. John and Ken coming up next. Stay dry, everybody. I'm scratching myself. L-A-T-T-I-H-T-B-D. Look at the time. I have to be going. Gary and Shannon.